Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. the one-year mark of talking to myself in self-dialogue. Yay, celebrate! And I didn't even call it self-dialogue when I started self-dialogue. I just started talking to myself. And I feel like this next year could be about self-embodiment and not just self-dialogue. Though, through self-dialogue, I was able to embody certain things. Getting to California, coming off medications, and I feel this will be more of an embodiment because that energy will perhaps create a certain embodiment that's different from embodying someone attempting to get out of this forced embodiment of being in that other paradigm. I don't even want to say the words anymore. You know what I'm talking about. So this self-embodiment includes self-dialogue, but it's a little bit of something more. And it could be something more because the energy can move freely through this body and express itself. So the expression will be different when it's no longer expressing through those things that I was taking. And so it's a completely different expression. Could be something totally new. And when I was in my first map consciousness state of multi-dimensional intelligence and getting the download and the blueprint of my life, I connected with different things that didn't include the journey that I was then thrust into after. So I'm wondering if this will sort of put me back on that trajectory of over six years ago. And it's still the same trajectory, but it's different. And things aren't linear anyway, so it's just about a different level of consciousness. And through time, even going through that old paradigm that I was a part of, it still helped me slowly to embody this, especially through this process of self-dialogue this last year. So I really don't know what I'm going to talk about this year or speak as, speak as this energy that's not impeded by chemicals. I've talked about healing and altruism and lifestyle design and I really don't know what it's going to be about. Because with how I was talking to myself before, I wanted my life to be about coming off those chemicals and and going to California. So now that those things have happened, it's sort of freed up for more degrees of possibility and freedom. And it's really about embodying magic. And I don't know if I will watch old videos. Maybe I don't have time to. I thought that I might watch a video from a year ago and then talk about that, but maybe I'll just watch some randomly. Just keep the randomness going. 
and I have a bit of a headache from the air conditioning and it's either that or my brain is just really growing. And this energy has brought a lot into awareness today and the fingers have typed things into the computer and and translated it into words and it's on the computer screen and now I'm going to look at it and translate it into video. It's just translating this energy of meaning into a different medium. So this next year is about perhaps this energy creating anything that it wants to create and it will create it with a clear nervous system instead of a nervous system impeded by the mental health system. So this is about the human nervous system. And I've heard people say that we have to have a strong relationship with ourselves. And that's sort of a nice idea, but we don't actually go about a process of creating a strong relationship with ourselves. So there's a difference between saying, I have a strong relationship with myself and I've created a strong relationship with myself. And I feel through this process, I just realized today that I've created a really strong relationship with myself. And in this way, it doesn't really matter that I'm just talking to myself. It doesn't matter if I talk to myself or giving voice to some of these things to create relationship with oneself because when we're not able to communicate with ourselves and with other people who are just ourselves in a different form, then we have this dialogue going on in our head which is trying to work things out, but we're not actually working things out by seeing, we're just ruminating. And one can lead one's life by creating one's life, which is a process of actually sabotaging the old self because there's this creative element that's creating something new. And so that old construct can't touch that new creation. This process I feel like has helped me create myself not just talk about myself, but talk myself into creation, into being, into a new being. And we tend to talk about ourselves, but we don't talk to create ourselves. So I'm not just talking to myself, I'm actually creating myself. And I feel like this happens when we are no longer seeking for something beyond ourselves, but we actually create ourselves. So we create the beyond of ourselves and move into that and we're moving in a different process instead of using our energy to to create thoughts which is like a pseudo creation and it it fools us into thinking that we're living and and we're only thinking we're living because we're thinking we're not creating our life. And I feel like that's what map consciousness gets us in touch with, that we really have to create our lives. Or we fall into the trap of other people's creations. So the creations of all the systems that would swallow us up if we aren't able to create our lives. Whether it's even just the system of employment, working in a boring job eight hours a day, five days a week. That's a system that we fall into if we're not creating ourselves. And I'm saying this and I haven't yet really created myself yet, but I'm seeing that I really do need to create myself and I got a sense of that six years ago in my first experience. That was the download, that was the blueprint and it's still not the ultimate because the creation can still be very new 
and living it is different than just getting the blueprint and sort of trying to to build whatever it is that blueprint shows all by oneself and that's pretty difficult so this takes a certain intensity and i feel like that intensity is that energy that we get in touch with that is moving us to create our lives so can i move to create my life before the energy comes in and kind of makes me have to do that and in a way this creation is random decontravisions and i talked about that term I made up before and it's random it's not completely random there's an intelligence behind it but it's removing the contrivances from the nervous system so it can flow with life and actually create one's life with life and I feel like I am the evidence-based practice this practice of creating one's own embodiment is the evidence because one is living the life one is creating and that's the evidence so if I'm creating my life through this self-dialogue process and embodiment process and I'm able to live the life I'm creating then that's the evidence and I practice with the evidence I see for myself what is evident for me and I feel like one can lead by just creating one's life and and maybe that gesturetically shows others that too, not how to, just that energy. And I didn't say this in the beginning of the video because I made a bunch of notes and then they get out of order and then I don't know what I wanna say first and it doesn't really matter because it's not linear, it's not logical, it's creational. And I wanted to say that this is my 317th video that I made in this one year period from June 20th, 2016 to June 20th, 2017, and I talked about counting doesn't count, it's what counts that can't necessarily be counted. So, so there might be something in these 317 videos that counts, that can't even be counted. I have 317 videos, big deal. Anyone can make 317 videos of themselves picking their nose in 317 different ways. So that's not what matters is the 317, but does this make a difference? Does this really matter? And it matters to me because I see that it affects my matter. It affects my DNA. My voice changes my DNA, it changes my matter, it changes my vibration. And the more I build this relationship with myself, the more I'm able to create myself. And because we don't really have this relationship with ourself for real, we have this pseudo relationship with ourself in our head that creates two selves inside. It's like a split because we're not actually meeting our other self, which is the totality, which is the rest of the universe that is just as much ourself as we are ourself we just have a separate body from that so we can actually experience ourself and there's some kind of contrast there otherwise we wouldn't experience but it's just as much ourselves as as our body is but since we're not actually in touch with that we create this dialogue in our head and it's not even a dialogue it's sort of a monologue it's this repetitious thing 
So I feel like speaking to myself on video is the same as speaking to others because others are also myself. So this is not just about this going on on the inside, but out loud on the outside too. And, and bringing this outside actually makes it more manifest. It puts it into the other self, which is the totality, and allows for a different reflection back. So I'm not really speaking so people will listen or anything like that. I'm speaking to create myself. And maybe that's something people will listen to. I really don't know. And I've just put it in those terms today of speaking to create myself. And I wouldn't have come to that if I didn't just speak to myself and build this relationship with myself. And listening to myself might just be enough. And I feel like I need to create myself to a point where I'm beyond the influence of the perceptions of others. And I wonder if I've spoken enough words to release my real voice. The last year has been a voice of sort of desperation in a way, desperate to get out of this system that wants to keep me on chemicals. And that chemical process changes my voice. It changes what I talk about. It changes what I think about. I'm thinking about wanting to be rid of that. And and now I'm at a point where I am and I don't know for how long. So I feel like now that I'm back in this energy that is creative, continuing to be creative and maybe being creative while still being in that paradigm has given me that creative energy or moving with creation to actually move into creation in a way that's not so jarring. And I've said that along the way by saying, be how you would be in that state of magic, which is called something else a lot of times. Do it anyway, even if you don't feel that energy. And in a way, talking to myself, I've been doing that anyway without feeling that energy. So I've been doing it so much that that's in my nervous system. So if now that energy is more animating me now because it's not being suppressed by those chemicals, it's already embodied in my nervous system. And I've talked about that different ways in terms of kind gestures and things, but I never thought about it in terms of the actual process of this self-dialogue and how this energy might want to have a dialogue of some kind. But now by, by doing this process of self-dialogue, the energy that comes in can now move through this organism, this being, in a dialogical way. Because I've been doing that, but for the purpose of getting beyond the system, and then that's embodied in the nervous system, and then that energy comes in, and it's just a different dialogue, but the nervous system is already prepared for dialogue. So I'm just seeing this now, and it's kind of interesting. And I feel like my real voice wants to sing, and my real body wants to dance, though I'm not a dancer. So I wonder if the universe will bring those energies through when the body's not being warped and, and tense. And will this intensity break that tension that prevents the movements? It's the contrived energy, and this intensity can break that through random decontravisions. 
And part of that is going out and doing certain things to decontrive oneself. And it's not even about decontriving oneself, it's actually just about creating oneself and that removes the contrivances because there's this movement of creation, which creation is something new. So it's removing the old by virtue of bringing in the new, which is more intense than abiding in the old, the energy level of thought and habit and moving around on automatic pilot. So yeah, my real voice wants to sing and not speak about that which is designed to take our voices away. And it's not just about our voices to speak out against what is happening to us and what we don't agree with, but our actual voice of what we would be living as if we were never warped in that trajectory. So in a way, this is evolution of our voice. This life energy is the evolution of our voice and what it would say and what it would create is to create. And it seems like we spend so much time talking to ourselves inside our head that we don't know how to communicate with ourselves and each other. And this is the part that is important to me because just one of the parts, there's probably a zillion parts, but not using this energy and transforming it into speaking out against the mental health system. I've already done that for a year, but now that I'm out of it, is that what this energy wants to do? I don't know, maybe. But maybe since I already did it, by talking to myself for a year, I don't need to continue with that. Perhaps. And because before I was ever labeled, that energy wasn't wanting to speak out against that system. It didn't even know about that system. So now that I'm out of that system, that energy could speak out against that system or it could just go back to what it was originally trying to create and do and leave that whole thing behind. There's other things to work on too. It's not about just going out and having fun. There's lots of work to do. And I saw that Sean Blackwell released a video and it's about Dr. David Lukoff's journey through spiritual crisis and he was able to get through it without being translated into a mental patient. And so he's been outspoken as a psychologist for many years trying to convince the mental health system that some of these things that are called illness are actually spiritual crisis. And oops, I said the I word. I want to call it multidimensional intelligence, MI, instead of MI for you know what. So the point of what I'm saying is if we as people who get in touch with this energy didn't have to spend it getting translated into you know what, or if we're able to escape that, spend it trying to convince the system that it's not an illness. It just looks like an illness to the one who looks at it. So I'll get to that after. But anyways, if we didn't have to then take that energy and turn it back and start talking to the system and saying, it's not that, it's not that, it's not that, what would that energy do? What would we create? What if we didn't have to abide in that energy and put it towards trying to convince a system that may never see 
And I don't know, I'm just wondering about this. So for example, if I go into an extreme state of map consciousness and I get the download blueprint for my life that I'm going to be able to create song lyrics and write for musicians and um, this life is magical and I'm going to help homeless people and I need to create this dream center and I'm connected more with homelessness and helping women and all the issues that that are there by virtue of being born a female. And there's a lot of issues too, but one has to focus on something or put some kind of direction to the energy. And I don't know about that, but what I'm trying to say is if I went back to that original blueprint after being in the energy, seeing that original blueprint, six years in the mental health system, then out the other side, well, out the other side, I might be tempted to be convincing the mental health system that it's not this illness thing. Or I could just go back to the original blueprint and just create what I felt so passionate to create and not use that energy and passion to be passionate against the system, but be passionate to use that energy to create that vision and that dream that I had. Not react against the nightmare that I went through because it was misinterpreted. And not just by the system, by myself too. I didn't understand what was happening. And I still don't. And I never will. That's just part of it. So, I don't want to try to convince anyone by my words. And going back to that original download, that original blueprint, I haven't yet created myself as that blueprint. I'm still just almost reborn to getting back in touch with that blueprint and creating from that blueprint. But it's not a waste of time. This whole process of going through the system has been very helpful. But the point is I haven't created myself as that vision of myself and what I wanted to create. And I'm not separate from this creation that I saw. That is me. That whole thing is me. So, I can only convince myself by creating myself, by creating that vision. Not try to convince this whole system of, of structure and people and science about, oh, it's not that. It's just going back to what I saw that it was originally and forget about all this part. The learning is still there, but forget that part because there was that original blueprint and creation and go back to that and create from that. Not, I got through the other side and now I'm going to react to this part. They don't know any better and I don't know when they will. And I don't want to waste this energy trying to convince a whole system of that. And perhaps this next year if I wait another year, will just be the convincing to myself that this blueprint had something to it. It was actually my entire blueprint. They talk about how before you're born you have this blueprint of what you want to create. Well, maybe we get it halfway through our life sometimes because 
before you're born and now is the same thing. There's no real time. It's an unfoldment of that original creation. And if we really forget and get off the path, maybe that original creation comes in and says, hey, you remember what you were here to do when you were born? You were here to sing. You were here to help homeless people, etc. And only by kind of talking myself into it and convincing myself will I move towards that. And part of that isn't trying to convince myself. It's actually because I forget. Every day I forget. It's kind of like that movie, Fifty First Dates, where she gets up the next day and has to watch a video of herself. And then when she does, she's like, oh, okay, that's who I am. And she can relax and just live her life for the day. It's kind of like that. And by doing this and watching the videos, it's like, okay, that's who I was today. That's who I was today. And I don't know who I'll be tomorrow, but let's let's see who I am tomorrow. And And building on that little by little. So by saying goodbye to this chunk, I can be more with that original blueprint, which was more about homelessness and this dream center thing and and just wanting to be an artist version of myself. And I don't want to make this video too long. I have a lot more to talk about, so I will likely just do another one. So convincing myself by creating myself and maybe that will shine some light on this process on the original blueprint and if that blueprint can grow and I feel like a seed again and that blueprint is there and now that I'm not being poisoned something might flower. I don't know if that's true but I'm gonna talk myself through it and in a way all this energy got translated into all these words over the last year because this energy got translated into mental illness and because it got translated into mental illness, the energy spoke words about being translated into mental illness. And now that it's not chemicalized, it might just want to speak about something completely different. And mental illness is just words. And it's actually seeing that words make us ill. Yet we have certain words circulating in our brains that we feel are healthy. I don't know about that. To me, it's just... A collected pool of words because we're not creating we're not seeing the moment and acting in the moment I feel all inner words in the way that we know them are mental illness can we go from mental illness to mental stillness and create if we have thoughts going on we're actually moving in habit on automatic pilot and no wonder we feel like we're missing something and we can't see clearly when words meet the moment. And I've probably said similar stuff. I don't want to repeat myself too much because I have a lot to cover with myself. Or uncover, I should say. And I shouldn't say should. When the word meets the moment, we don't move. If I would have been able to keep moving in that energy six years ago with the original blueprint, there would have been no need to sit down and make words about it. But maybe I do need to keep making words about it even now, being outside the system, because there aren't necessarily enough people moving in this way, moving in the creative way. A person of thought meets a person in that creative energy and just doesn't know what to do, so they just brush them aside and they get funneled towards the mental health system. And we're so busy making words in our head that we're not making the world. We're not making our world. We're living in the words we've been given that swirl and whirl in our heads and 
and confuse us and we're not even living, we're not creating. So it's now being translated back to that original energy without being funneled through the interpretation and interpreting itself through that old system. Maybe I'll just call it the old system because that kind of includes even these healthy patterns that we think are healthy, but really no pattern is healthy. Projecting something and then living according to that isn't healthy. It's, it's discordant with life. Life doesn't need words. Life can use words, but right now, words are using life for its own devices. And I remembered a name I made for myself at one point. Relentlessly Ridiculous. Because I've been relentless, but I also want to move into being more ridiculous. And talking to myself for a year is definitely pretty ridiculous, so I guess I am relentlessly ridiculous already. And, and I was thinking about what this next year will be about, and I might talk about that with myself for a while to really get that embedded in my nervous system. Instead of trying to read the next tweet or the next blog telling me what I think I should do. And it's about embodying and it's about magic and it's about altruism. I've talked about altruism a lot, yet I haven't really embodied that yet. And it's important because it's part of the design of that magic, actually. And also reaching out and maybe sharing some of this as audios. I don't know. I'm going to wait for the right time to share. But in terms of the altruism, I was talking about altruism yesterday and I got an email from a friend the day before, but I didn't read it yet. And this is what happens a lot. I don't read something and then I make a video and then I read the thing that was there before, but now it actually is what I was exactly talking about. And a friend sent me a blurb by Steve Taylor, who is an author and lecturer and he, I believe, was influenced a lot by Eckhart Tolle, and he was talking about some of the different things that are going on in London in terms of terrorist attacks, and I don't follow the news, so just reading someone's blurb about that is enough for me. I, okay, I'm aware, and I can't actually watch it. It will, it will, I don't know. And he says in this email, there are some positive things that come out of these terrible events, it's amazing how altruistic people become after tragedies. And the innate kindness of human beings manifests itself very powerfully. In Manchester, a homeless man called Chris Parker was waiting outside the concert arena and rushed in when he heard the explosion. As he said, instead of running away, my gut instinct was to run back and try to help. He saw a young girl who had lost her legs in the blast wrapped her in a t-shirt and helped her to contact her parents. He comforted an elderly woman who had serious head injuries who died in his arms. Separately, another homeless person named Stephen Jones was sleeping rough near the venue and also rushed to help. He found many children covered with blood, screaming and crying. With a friend who accompanied him, they pulled out nails out of the children's arms and in one case out of a child's face and helped a woman who was bleeding severely by holding her legs in the air. It was just my instinct to help people out, he said. 
and he talks about taxis turning off their meter to transport people, etc. And so there's this tragedy and then people become altruistic. And I've talked about how to me, map consciousness is like when our inner tragedy of our own life and the collective is so there for us, it turns on this something that makes us altruistic. It's like we sense this whole inner tragedy with, within without having to see something on the outside, like something exploding people. We see it. We see what's happening everywhere. And, and it's innate in the structure of how everything's set up. And it turns us into these altruistic beings without having to experience a tragedy like that. It's happening everywhere. We're all experiencing it. We're all one consciousness. But of course, if something tragic happens, people will rise to the occasion. A lot of people will. But I feel like this map consciousness process makes us rise to our own occasion. And it also makes us rise to all the occasions that have happened throughout time and, and mutate and change. Just like these homeless people rose up and helped, yet nobody's rising up to help them. And so reading this just connected me with that something to, to something with homelessness. I don't know what. And I just talked about maybe it's just being homeless, being homeless and being out more and being with people more. We all go home, we watch TV and we watch these entertaining things of how we wish we could live our lives, but we don't. We just sit and watch it on TV. But if we spend an hour of that time actually being homeless and just being altruistic more, not waiting for a tragedy. There's tragedies happening everywhere all the time. And can that awareness move us into altruism? It's happening somewhere. And I'm talking to myself here. Can I do that? Because that collective energy, that collective psyche, that collective unconsciousness is right there beside me and behind me and, and catching up. And it would push me to be that altruistic person. But can I be that without waiting for that energy to come in and give me a kick in the butt so hard that I might not survive it? So... It's altruism by necessity, by design, not by, oh, I want to do something nice. No, other people are me, and I've sensed that. Just like Krishnamurti says, I am the world, and the world is me. We're all imprisoned by this psychological group structure that we think is there. It's nowhere. There's no group. Yet we all are adjusting to this invisible, unwritten rules of society, like the title of Temple Grandin's book that I've never read, but I feel like I know what she's talking about. Perhaps there are unwritten rules of society and we, we pause to those unwritten rules and we don't act. And the only thing that gets us to act is when something so terrible happens that those rules go by the wayside and we're willing to risk our own life for another because we see how much they're suffering. But can we not see how much each of us are suffering without catastrophe? Life is catastrophe, but we're not sensing that. We're just moving about in our little 
habits and things and there's a spider on the wall and I just don't like these guys. Anyways, I'll just leave him talking about altruism. I can't kill a spider. I could trap him, but he's so damn fast. Anyway, you be you over there. You be you, and I'll be me. And just don't bite my ankles, okay? I know I killed your father. So the next part of Steven Taylor's bit says, To me, all this proves how absurd it is when scientists suggest that human beings are innately selfish and try to explain away altruism as a kind of mistake or disguised form of egoism. We human beings are always deeply interconnected. This is how we can sense each other's suffering. We share the same essence of being, so when others feel pain, we feel it too. And that triggers this instinct to try to alleviate the pain of another. Even our own lives for the sake of others. Because we sense that we actually are them. In everyday life, when things are running smoothly and normally, it's easy for us to switch into self-centered mode, in which our needs and desires take precedence. But crises and tragedies reawaken us to our innate connectedness. And this whole life is a tragedy. So many of us are living in tragedy. And I feel like the only strategy to move out of that is creation. To create something beyond this world of trauma that we all live in. And that collective world of trauma is what coalesces as these tragic events on the outside. And then we react to that because we can't feel each other. We can't look into each other's souls. And I've talked a lot about how when we become sensitive by, by being in contact with this collective tragedy, the collective unconscious, not our own personal history only, but the whole thing, we're right with that tragedy every second. And so when we look at someone, we can sense that in them. And we're sensitive to all of it because we've we've touched upon all of it. And so that's part of the gift. And that's part of what recalibrates our nervous system to be able to be empathetic. Not just experience empathy, but act as that empathy, which is altruism. Because we can we can see it. We're in touch with that, with that other being. And... And then we can't walk by and have our desires and pleasures and preferences looping in our head while we walk by things on automatic pilot. So I wanted to share that it was pretty timely and synchronistic and a sign. And it seems like we don't actually see signs, we create the signs. So by talking to myself about this altruism thing, Somebody just happened to send me this altruistic blurb, and this person doesn't send me stuff often. Maybe one other thing ever. And it's exactly on point with where I'm at right now. And that could even be that person responding to my energy. It's not separate. There's this relationship, and that person sends a message. And it's an email, and... That's an accepted form of, oh, somebody sent me a message. But if it's something else, if it's something weird, like an image or 
or, or seeing something that might not be there. That could just be a message being sent. It's like this holographic text messaging that hasn't yet been invented, but has been at some point in time-space, so, so it is invented in a way. One day we'll have hologram text messaging, just kind of like Star Wars, and it's looking like we won't need a whole droid to transmit that. It'll probably just be like a very small device, and or no device. So it could be a form of holographic text messaging from the universe that we're just not paying attention to and we don't really understand that language, but we can get in contact with that. And interestingly enough, this same friend told me, hey, there's a film called Emerging Proud, and I haven't yet emailed back and said, I was part of that campaign, so it's good to know that the word about that film is getting out. I need to take my hearty nutritionals, I forgot. Actually, speaking of which, that same friend gave me this water bottle. Loving What Is. It's by Byron Katie. I haven't really followed any of her work, but it's that synchronistic water bottle I got when I didn't pack a water bottle. That's the other thing I forgot to pack. And I got one from this friend who attended two of her workshops, so he had an extra one. And it's been the best gift ever, because I use it every day. And loving what is. Maybe what is is loving us. But we have to learn to speak that language of recognizing that. So I feel like we speak signs into existence. We create the signs. So in a way, we can also create the altruism. Altruism doesn't just show up. It's something that I need to create. I need to create that as a large piece of the quantum holographic pie of my life. And related to that David Lukoff video too, how he's trying to teach the mental health system that a lot of these things are actually spiritual crisis and not psychotic disorders. And I feel like the difference between spiritual crisis and psychotic disorders isn't necessarily a few little symptoms or something. Like, oh, if they have this extra bit or this extra bit, then that means they're psychotic. And if not, then it's just a spiritual crisis. I think it's actually, I think it's actually like Schrodinger's cat. In that state, we're actually both psychotic and in spiritual crisis until observed. So once we're observed by a psychiatrist, obviously we're psychotic. But if we're observed by unconditional love and caring, then it's translated into a spiritual crisis. There's no way a psychiatrist is going to say, oh, it's just a spiritual crisis. So I see that in a way what he's trying to do is perhaps get psychiatrists to see that it could be spiritual crisis. But the trouble is they've had so much training and indoctrination, they're going to default to their very expensive training in order to interpret people and warp the entire trajectory of their life. So 
Anyways, I just wanted to point out that it's kind of a Schrodinger's cat situation. So can we be a different Schrodinger? Can we be a Schrodinger that's unconditionally loving and would only select for the spiritual crisis and the transformation? And we really need to do that for each other. We can't just rely on psychiatrists. And I've been writing down a couple, one or two liners, and I don't know if they're of any value, but here it goes. Life creates matter, and then we spend our life energy wondering how matter creates life. We wouldn't shake a new box of Lego and hope that it will be put together. We would never shake a new boxed up Lego set and hope that through the shaking process, opening the box, the set of Lego would be put together properly. That line could actually be created more smoothly, but what I'm trying to say is the life of the child puts the Lego together. The life puts the bits together, not the bits put the life together. It's obvious to me, I don't know. That's just my two-liner. And the other one is How long will it take us to figure out that there's nothing to figure out? Then we can figure into this creation of which we are an integral part. And I'm sensing that I might put some stuff together for a book because the writing is becoming more writing-like. So maybe I can actually write some things down that are just writing and not talk about them or talk about them plus put them into something that could be writing or whatever. I don't really know. I just feel like there could be a little bit more flow with it. And that could be part of this embodiment is sharing writing something. I don't know. Oh, I have a couple more couple liners here. If we don't know, intelligence knows and does the doing. Just watch. Then it happens just as if magic and not by the unwritten rules of thought. We aren't human beings, but energy being human. That might be a good one. And these are sort of amusing to me because they just sort of come out. And these are sort of amusing to me because they just sort of come through me. I don't like the word come. Flow. I think that's okay. They just sort of flow through me. They are channeled through me. I'm a channeler. Woo! Maybe just today. And part of this could actually be picking the part that I want to play. The last part I played, which was of chronic mental patient with a serious and persistent mental illness, was not a part I wanted to play. And it was a part I had to play because I didn't figure into the part that the blueprint was showing me that I was to play. And maybe I wasn't playing enough and it became serious and part of this is finding that play again too or maybe these could be tweets or maybe I could share them on my blog I kinda like the hashtag profoundly crazy the herd mentality is living life based on what one has heard thus being a part of the herd 
The scene mentality is living life based on what one sees for oneself, thus stands alone. And I actually just saw when saying that, that we actually just are the herd. We are the world. We are the herd. Whatever we think is all going on, we're adjusting to that. We are that which we're adjusting to. And it's not a movement of life. So we're moving in a way that is not in the movement of life, but in adjustment to this illusory herd, this illusory group, this illusory world. It's not really real, but we're, we're entrained by it. And we're afraid of clear perception because then we would be alone and not part of the group. And if we saw the group clearly, we would not want to be a part of it. And I did write down a possible why. Maybe the question really is why ask why? But really my why is because I've seen we're all homeless, which means we are the homeless people. We're not separate, we are them. And if we saw that, we would help. I remember once in map consciousness seeing and saying to myself, we all die homeless. And I don't know what that means exactly, but insight is that magic. It's not that you are seeing something. Something, some energy brings that seeing. Seeing is some energy being translated into insight. The brain must be a translator of insight. So this energy can't bring the seeing if we're only seeing our past associations and living in the past. We can't see the present moment. The seeing can't bring the present moment to our awareness. The only thing that's wrong is thinking in terms of right and wrong. And thinking there are things. Life is an awareness that unfolds some energy new. That is beyond the grasp of right and wrong and things. Seeing with language creates things. Seeing with awareness creates possibilities. And one can move with that creation. Otherwise, we're only reacting to things and not creating by seeing possibilities. Seeing as awareness unfolds beauty. If we suspend the language, the language of the past, then beauty is there and we can speak as that. So those are my random little insights for today. And I don't really know where it's going with speaking them like that. I don't really like reading like that. But they seem to be these little snippets on their own. Not an extrapolation of something through being aware of a lot of context that one has built. So maybe I haven't really built that context to just speak that fluidly. And we'll see. Another thing I could do is just speak those as I see them instead of writing them down. I'm not sure where that'll go, but it's kind of about utilizing technology to help facilitate unfolding that voice, whatever that is, and, and in what way it wants to be expressed and in what medium. And it could just be the medium of talking to myself and talking that way to myself might actually create my external life differently, which doesn't look like me talking to myself on the street, walking by myself around other people. It looks completely different, but talking to myself in this way could be a seed of something else. 
just like the way we talk to ourselves in our head, that doesn't, that doesn't, I can't think of the word, that doesn't resemble our actual outer life, yet that circular talk creates, if you want to say the word creates, our outer life. So this different self-dialogue talk might create a different outer life that's not based on habit. I'm not sure. I'm just wondering. And the wondering will create the sign. So I would like to sing one more number. Just kidding. I'm just going to talk to myself. And I'm wondering now what will that energy translate me into? That energy was translated into me playing the role of a mental patient, but now that I'm out of that role right now, at least, what will this energy be able to do without that chemical translation? That energy translating itself into a voice that wants to be outside of that and now one is outside of that so what will that energy be able to create now that it's not utilizing that energy to move out of a life that was created for me by all the systems in the world so that energy had a chemical barrier and now it doesn't I remember meeting this man who was very enlightened seemingly and later when I left he asked have you started singing yet by email and I always wondered what that meant and this was six years ago before I was ever labeled and we once had this experience where we stared into each other's eyes for like five minutes without blinking and I don't know how long it was and he said to me I wonder if you can see what I can see. And I didn't ask him what he meant, but it just seemed kind of mysterious. Maybe I just realized what that answer is. It's see how he sees. And I actually remember observing this individual six years ago and and just wondering how he came up with the things that he would say because he would understand a lot about nature and, and talk about it in ways and I'd be like, how did you know that? I wasn't curious about, oh, that's a fact, that's not a fact, okay, I'm going to remember what you said and believe it as knowledge. It was more, how are you seeing this? How, how do you see? And he mentioned something about sitting for a long time in nature and it starts to tell you, it starts to talk to you. Not literally talking plants with mouths and eyes like in some kind of Pixar creation, but that subtle impression, that energy, creates an understanding inside the brain. And that's the same thing I've been talking about with myself this year, and I'm realizing now that... I don't know if he passed on that seeing by that looking into each other's eyes, because I've already talked about how the light of one's eyes can affect another, and that intense stare with this really intense person, intense in the way they could see, 
really see things and understand and speak from that understanding, not speak from, oh, I was born here and I went to this school and blah, blah, falling asleep. You know, we're all tired of hearing that stuff. It's not really interesting. And then we have to go to TV for entertainment. So anyways, getting back to how he said, I wonder if you can see what I can see. And I realize now I can, and I have. But when I was originally going to say that, I was thinking maybe he saw my original dream of life to be a singer when I was a child, because that was sort of my dream. But I had a terrible voice, and I couldn't sing in tune, and I couldn't hear, and I didn't know the words. So I don't know where that was in me, that thought that that was possible. So... What I'm saying is, if I even get back to my dream when I was a kid, maybe there's something there. And not necessarily to be a singer for other people, but I've been talking to myself for myself to move myself through this. And maybe singing for myself, just for myself, might create more ability to sing, but it might also give another dimension to the voice. Instead of just talking in words all the time to to talk in words, but it's activating this other creative part by singing. It's kind of a creative act. And last night in a dream, I just remember this little bit of a dream where somebody was probably teaching me how to sing and they said, when you sing, you hold your breath at the end. You don't, while you're finishing talking. And I could see this flash of this person so clear in front of me telling me this. And, and it seemed kind of like this quantum holographic text message in my brain from the universe in a dream and so it was interesting that that happened because I wanted to talk about this whole singing thing and I did actually sing in one of my videos just to put it in there I don't know why but maybe I'll get better but just for myself not to be a singer but just to sing and just to explore these different possibilities. Like, I don't even know what's possible with this energy. Anything could be possible. Maybe these crazy ideas that I had in that first state of map consciousness, some of them could possibly come true or something similar. Because in that energetic state, one sees that anything is possible. But then not everything is possible. So it's a matter of exploring this multi-dimensionality of this energy to unfold what one is meant to create and I can even ask for that gift from the universe I can ask hey universe if that energy wants to move through me in a way that might make me sing go for it and I actually remember after performing stand-up comedy I felt like I can do it. my mind went to the next thing that would be cool to do is sing on stage in front of people because that's even scarier and I can't even really sing. So just putting that out there, just putting things out there. So can I just sing to myself, for myself, just like I talk to myself, for myself, to move myself out of the mental illness paradigm? Am I? Can I move into the multi-dimensional intelligence paradigm and just work on these different intelligences that we have innately as humans. Most people have the possibility to sing. 
but we don't necessarily make that into an actuality. So what will this energy move from possibility to actuality? And I've talked about seeing possibilities and everything. It's nice to see possibilities, but if one is able to be in the seeing possibilities and being with possibilities state long enough, can one actually learn to actualize those possibilities? Not actualize myself, but actually actualize possibilities as a creation. And I wonder, and saying the multi-dimensional intelligence towards us or something, it's actually all these dimensions that we have access to as human beings, but through our education and our conditioning, we're we're funneled into these very mediocre lives and we get disconnected from our potentialities. So it's just actually connecting with something that's already innate within us, but has been sort of calcified into a life of this narrow band. And that narrow band blinds us to possibility, so we're looking for something other because we can't see possibility and actually create that. So maybe some of us can see some possibilities, but it's more, I guess, now about creating that because I've talked about possibilities and I don't want to just keep talking about possibilities. I want to to move into some kind of creation of a possibility. And I have. I've seen the possibility of being off meds and and moved into that. So now what's possible after that? It makes other energies possible. I don't want to say things. It makes other creations possible. So I'm not sure, but to me it feels like it's not really something spiritual. It's just giving us our humanity back. Children, they congeal into this calcified band of a reality tunnel. And then they're looking for something spiritual. Really, we're just looking for the rest of our humanity. Where did it go? It got pruned out of our brain through all this education for our own good to get cog-in-the-machine jobs. And right now we're just living in the mental realm. And so we call everything else spiritual, but it could actually be something that doesn't just feel spiritual. It could be a creative life that is embodied without having the time to even say, well, that felt spiritual. It's just life. It's just creation. And for me, this self-dialogue is a process of creating myself. And it's probably not the only process, but it seems to be the process that is processing these processes. So can I just be as this energy and not talk about it as how it was transformed into mental illness by the systems of the world? And I could just go talk about this with people, but the world isn't really ready for this energy. And I haven't created myself as ready for this energy, and I have to create that readiness for the energy by creating. Just like we have to see in order to keep seeing and grow the seeing structures in our brain, we have to create in order to keep creating. We're so focused on planning and and goals and step one, step two, step three, that we never take a step. And then we live a life stepping in our own footsteps, circulating the same routine. It's the way we walk. And I heard the phrase, vote with your feet, and we've all bought into this collective, this world that we all share, sort of, and and we're voting with our feet by staying in it. 
and we never turn our feet to see what's over there. And so this next part too is about transforming myself back into that original energy. And it's getting a little dark, so I'll turn on the light. I realize that I can sometimes just talk to myself with the light off because it's a little bit bright. So this is an important point, transforming myself back into that original energy, the energy that was happening before I was ever labeled. And it's me creating myself as transforming myself back into that original energy because nobody else is going to do it for me. Nobody else can do that for me. I can only do that for myself. And I can only create that for myself. If I don't create that for myself, I just remain in the system. I just remain walking in circles in the system and living a life within the limitations of that system. And people can still live really good lives within that, for sure. People can. But what I'm saying is there's an energy that, when unimpeded, creates something completely different beyond anything a system can ever help someone recover towards. And I don't know if that's true. I haven't really done it. I'm just talking about it. But talking about it is helping to create the doing. The system that's designed to help me would profit from me, from all the people trained to impose that and, and the medications and everything. Instead of me being a prophet of my own life, I must prophesize my own life into existence. Otherwise, I'm just going to be a cog in the machinery of someone else's financial profit. And because we don't live a life of understanding and creating, we end up in other people's systems that will create profits for them. Well, I want to create profits. I want to be a profit of my own life. So self-dialogue is partially prophecy. If I go back to Harvesting My Mania, I was writing lyrics. So Maybe there's something there. I don't know. But if I just think, oh, I was writing lyrics. Oh, that's nice. I'm going to go sit and watch TV. Well, I'm never going to explore that energy that was sort of a, a seed that was being planted of a potential. And that energy and that download of that blueprint plants potential seeds in the brain that perhaps were already there. Perhaps it just uncovers some of the stuff that's actually impeding seeing those potentials. If we don't see those potentials and create action the potential of action then we actually end up acting in other people's potentials what they've designed to bring people into I thought I was going to write lyrics for like Lauren Hill and we were going to be friends that could sound really really delusional for sure but at the same time and I would listen to her music and it felt like I was right there and I could understand exactly what she was saying. It was like I was really in touch with that. And I was so in contact, I could feel what she was saying. Just like it was me. There was no separation. But really, what I saw from that when I wrote that down today was the me that I'm not separate from there is that creative energy that we are. So when I feel oh, I could be like Lauren Hill or I could write lyrics for her. It's just being really in touch with that creative movement that really can create anything. Some people are, are in touch with that. 
so I could feel that creation and I could feel her creation and how it was moving my creation. So it could be when people go into these states of consciousness and they feel like, I'm Picasso or I wrote this book. It's really saying, I feel like a creator. Not the creator, I'm not talking about God, but the creative potential we have as human beings to create something really new. And so when we're first getting in touch with that, and then we get in touch with something else somebody else has created, well, real creations actually come from just this creative process, and they're selfless. They're not really dependent on an ego. So when the ego is suspended, one can actually feel like, oh, I created this, when really we're one with that creative process that could create that, but didn't could create something else so it's not necessarily about oh I created that it's well this person's in alignment with creation with that creative process what is it that you could create so that could also happen because we're so warped away from our creativity that we had when we were a child that if we were always in touch with that beautiful creation we probably would have just created that thing that we were meant to create but we're so far away from it that we don't even know what it is that we have wanted to create or were meant to create. So it's just this, this split off the original trajectory. And since we're so far away, it's, it's more difficult to actually connect with that which we wanted to create when we've spent so much time moving away from it. So in my case, when I was a kid and I wanted to be a singer, but all these elements got in the way and I never did. But if I was able to get in alignment with that creation, then maybe I would be a really good singer right now. And maybe not. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm giving that example. So then, this actually I'm seeing now. This applies to what I said. And then when I get in that creative place, in my first experience in map consciousness, I'm feeling like I'm going to write lyrics for Lauren Hill and understand what everyone's saying. And this is creative and I can create words like this too. When, if I would have been in alignment with that my whole life, maybe that would have actually been a reality or or more of a reality. Maybe not that exact writing for Lauren Hill thing. And, you know, I could have gone a step further and said, hey, hey, I wrote Lauren Hill's lyrics. I never thought that. But people do connect with feeling like they created something that they didn't. And maybe it's just because they didn't create and then they get in connection with feeling like they created, so they have to latch onto something that that makes sense of how creative they feel. Like if I feel so creative, like so much in alignment with that, but I spent 30 years not in alignment with that, but I feel that I'm just gonna have to pick out something somebody else did and feel like I created that because I'm feeling that energetically like I could have created that. And maybe if I was in contact with that originally, I could have created that or something similar, but we're not creating. So to me, I'm seeing just in talking about this and unfolding it that we're missing our creation and then we're latching onto others' creation when we actually reconnect with that creative state. So it's important to create, not just to say, oh, I created that. That's going a little bit too far but one could also say that in that creative state that creative state is impersonal so it could be that we could have created that and we're all one so it could feel like we created that because we're all one 
or tapping into the consciousness that did create that. So there's a lot of different ways to unfold that. A lot, a lot, a lot. But the one that I sort of like right now is getting in touch with one's original creation, one's original trajectory, because that goes along with a lot of the things that I've been talking with to myself. And that's something that's actually actionable. So if I just say, oh yeah, I connected with a state of consciousness that was really creative, so I sort of latched on to the possibility that I created this book that has somebody else's name on it because I feel that creative. I feel that creative and that creative energy that could have created that book. So, But that doesn't really have any actionable thing except for realizing my hand didn't even write that book. So to feel like getting back in alignment with the original trajectory and as a harvest of one's mania, but when I really think about it, it's also harvesting one's original dream as a child. And and there's some interplay there. And it's about the adjacent light body and the original trajectory. So can I step into my original trajectory that was moved away from through fear? I remember when I was really young and I was going to audition for this choir. And my mom was going to take me to the audition and... I was supposed to sing Oh Canada. And I remember my fear and the reason I didn't do it was that I didn't know the words to the song. I didn't even know to ask, what are the words to the song? Like I kind of knew the tune, but I didn't know the words. And even now I can't really remember words to songs. And I was just talking about that. How I don't sing as much because I can't remember the words, even if I've heard the song a lot of times. But I actually see that this faculty in my brain of not being able to remember words is actually maybe part of the reason why I'm able to connect with these other words because I can't remember all these words that I would associate with the ego structure but anyways I'm just saying that I didn't know the words I was too afraid to ask there was no google there was nothing I was probably five years old and I was too afraid to ask my mom to help me or and I remember just saying to my mom last minute and being so afraid like no, I can't go. I don't want to go. And I remember thinking about it for quite a long time, like days or weeks, and just being so afraid and being like, I can't go. And I never said, I can't go. I don't know the words. I just said, no, I can't do it. So I was afraid to ask. I was afraid to ask for help. I was afraid to admit I didn't know the words. And and I don't even think I felt like, oh, I don't know the words. I need to learn them. I felt like I just don't know the words and I should know the words and so right now I realize in my life I don't know the words and then the words just arise I don't know the words and that's a good thing but in terms of learning to sing songs it's actually good to know the words so there's areas in life where it's good to know the words and areas in life where it's best to just drop the words and let the words arise but this words arising process could actually help if I eventually decide to create my own songs because they'll just be there out of nowhere. So in that other state, in map consciousness, I feel like I need to become my artist self. I've connected with that, especially when I was in the psych ward in April of last year. I was did a lot of writing and I was like, I need to create, I need to become my artist self. And I realize now today that that just meant I need to create myself. I need to be the artist of myself, not necessarily my artist self. I don't even know what that looks like. So be the artist of myself. And most of us sing along to other people's songs. We don't 
realize we can create our own. And that's symbolic of more than just singing along to tunes, but we're all moving along, singing along to the whole song of society that's been collectively co-created and we're not actually creating our own life. So I thought of a hashtag, create your life, not live your life or be happy, create your life. If you're just living your life, you're living your life in someone else's creation. And I was given the energetic blueprint in my first immersion into magic. And I need to learn the rules of this magic. And maybe I already have a lot to the point where that has become transparent to me. I don't even see it. It's just the way the brain operates. Just like we don't have to see the mechanism of our breathing in order to breathe. And maybe we don't have to see the mechanism of our seeing in order to see. But we do need to see the mechanism that blinds us. And as we see that, it falls away and we can see more. And and so seeing the blindness creates more seeing and makes that seeing transparent. And it makes the brain transparent because it's not blocked by this blindness. And we must learn the rules of this magic when it meets the human nervous system for real. Unimpeded by the disenchantment of all this thought that we've been given. And we're so deluded by it, we think they're my thoughts, and then we want to protect these thoughts and ideas. And when we want to protect these thoughts and ideas that we didn't even think of ourselves, that we think are ourselves, we can't see anything and create anything new. And we can't have our own perceptions. And the interesting thing, just as the thoughts aren't our own, the perceptions aren't our own. So when we perceive something, there is a subtle ripple effect that that will start to allow other people to see more without actually even doing anything. Just seeing for oneself starts to create more seeing for oneself in others without even sharing a process of seeing for oneself, like self-dialogue. If we are nervous, we have fears in our nerves and we can't meet the universe. The universe isn't nervous. The universe wants to meet us. It's not about us meeting the universe. The universe wants to meet us. But it can't when we want something in particular. When we're wanting this or we're wanting that, we're craving this and we're craving that. If we're craving this, we can't have all of it, which is right there. So yeah, that was three long videos. My first day of making videos with very little reference to that old system and moving into creating something new in the nervous system. Not about creating a new system, but creating the nervous system anew, the brain anew by speaking new. And I really don't know. One thing I forgot to talk about was more about altruism. I started my altruism experiment, which is very small. I put a quarter on the ground and I'm hoping someone will find it and feel lucky. And I checked and it's still there, so nobody feels lucky yet. But it's creating a bit of a game. And I remember when I was in that state that first time, I would leave money on people's car door handles and put it on the ground because I felt like people find it and feel like it's their lucky day. And I wanted people to feel good and maybe notice something outside of themselves. If we notice a quarter on the ground, we're actually looking somewhat 
Maybe it just means we're looking for money. I don't know. Whatever. It's kind of a fun game. Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.